Chapter 14 of Zafloya. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elsie Selwyn. Zafloya by Charlotte Dacry. Chapter 14. Three months had now elapsed since Leonardo, fatally for himself, had become known to the siren Megalina. He was not yet nineteen, Megalina was his senior by several years, yet so far had her full-blown but unfaded charms, her playful yet elegant manners, her various seductive blandishments obtained the ascendancy over his imagination, that the bare idea of separating from her became to him at length distraction. She had bewitched and enslaved his heart, she had awakened his soul to new existence, the image of the delicate Amamiya faded from his mind, and a more wild, a more unbounded passion took possession of it in the form of Megalina. With a novel delight, superior to aught she had ever felt at any former conquest, did the artful Florentine behold her triumph. She had sown, as she believed, the first germs of love and passion in a pure, youthful breast. She had seen those germs shoot forth and expand beneath the fervid rays of her influence, and she enjoyed the fruits with a voluptuous pleasure. At length, however, the vanity of her sex became predominant. Assured of the perfect regard of Leonardo, enamored of his beauty, and proud of her conquest, she had yet another feeling to gratify. She longed to exhibit him at Venice to the females of her acquaintance, to excite their envy and their admiration, for of their attraction she entertained no fear, no dread of rivalry with herself had the haughty Florentine. But how to conceal from Berenza her new and highly prized lover? She resolved then to let her return eye to Venice remain a secret to him, and, in order to maintain it such, go but little from home. This point determined on, she expressed to Leonardo her desire to revisit Venice. At the mention of Venice, he became visibly agitated. The color forsook his cheeks and returned to them again with deepened dye. That very event, which he had a little time before so eagerly desired, he now contemplated with mingled sensations of terror and reluctance. But could he refuse aught to his seducing mistress? Impossible! For her he forgot the firmest purpose of his soul. To her he laid open the painful secret, which till now with scrupulous care, a high-mindedness that shrunk from the idea of divulgement, he had undeviatingly guarded, the secret of his name and family. Throwing himself into the arms of Megalina, he acknowledged himself for what he was, and hesitatingly expressed his unwillingness openly to revisit Venice, at least in his proper character. "'Are you, then?' exclaimed Megalina, the fire of increased exultation sparkling in her eyes. "'Are you, then, the son of Loredani?' "'I am beautiful, Strozzi,' he answered. "'But—' dropping on his knees and fervently clasping his hands together. Guard, guard, I beseech you, the secret which your charms have extracted from me. Respect my honor, my happiness, and my life, and never, by any chance, oh, never let it transpire from your lips, that I am the disgraced, the wandering offspring of that unhappy house, or that to the name of Leonardo, I add, his voice faltered, I add that of Loredani. Never, never solemnly answered the florentine swear it's lovely woman swear it ere i rise passionately added leonardo i swear solemnly swear 
answered Megalina, laying one hand upon his shoulder and raising the other to heaven. I swear never to divulge thy secret to mortal being, and in the moment I forget my oath, may the lightning of heaven blast me. Megalina, I thank thee, cried Leonardo fervently, rising from his knees and embracing her with a tender solemnity, while tears trembled in his eyes. I earnestly thank thee for the discovery of my secret. I would never survive. But you will go to Venice, then, Leonardo? Oh, Megalina, does not my father dwell there? How, going with thee, might I remain concealed from his knowledge? Know you not, then, dear youth, that the Marchese is no more? That event and those which followed are sufficiently known in Venice, and none of your family at present reside there. Leonardo heard only the words, The Marchese is no more. His hands were raised in mute anguish to heaven. The eloquent tears rolled slowly down his cheeks, and emphatically he exclaimed, Merciful God, I thank thee. Then turning towards Megalina, he said in a voice of assumed calmness, Inform me of what you know. I can bear to listen. The Florentine, appearing deeply affected at the visible emotion of Leonardo, stated, and certainly with all possible regard to those high and susceptible feelings which she perceived in him, whatever had come to her knowledge respecting the occurrences in the family of Loredani. She concluded her detail, which she had rendered as concise and as little painful as possible, by again observing, as she believed justly, that no part of that family resided now in the city of Venice. "'Oh, lost, oh, miserable mother!' silently ejaculated the youth thou hast completed then the measures of thy crimes adieu for ever to the honour to the happiness of thy children thou hast now blasted them irretrievably to megalina however his smarting pride his anguished feelings suffered him to make no remark his heart was too full it was too towering even in its humility to ask a sharer in such griefs and wilt thou not then accompany me to the city interrogated megalina again taking his hand and looking fondly in his face yes yes fair megalina he replied passing his hand hastily across his forehead as if to chase away every uneasy thought yes i can now do anything but remember i am only leonardo delighted to have gained her point the florentine promised obedience to his smallest desire anticipated and entered warmly into his every wish arranging with eager facility a plan for his remaining concealed and unknown leonardo yielding to all she proposed hastened from her presence to wander a while in gloomy retrospection for his mind incapable of recovering immediately from the shock it had sustained required in solitude to wear off its effect and conquer the gloom that oppressed it megalina however determined that her lover should not retract resumed as soon as she again beheld him the subject nearest her heart and fixed the following day for their departure from the villa aguadolque to whose friendly seclusion she considered herself indebted for pleasure beyond any she had ever enjoyed accordingly in the cool of the evening on the following day they embarked for venice and began to get dusk as they arrived they soon reached her luxurious residence but nothing could remove the oppression which momentarily had been growing upon leonardo increasing at every step that brought him nearer to the place of his nativity megalina perceiving this exerted herself by every tender assiduity and insinuating art to lighten and disperse 
She welcomed the youthful lover to her home and cast a splendid supper to be prepared. At length her powerful influence began to prevail. The melancholy of Leonardo gave way before it. Potent goblets of wine assisted her efforts. The uselessness of regret became manifest to his mind. It was displaced by a vivacity, resulting rather from the animation imparted to the spirits by wine and luxurious viands than the sober reasoning of philosophy. The bland seductress Megalina possessed over him an unlimited power. She had caused a new world to open on his view. Even yet he was not awakened from the dream of pleasure with which she had bewitched his soul. Feelings and ideas unknown before swelled in his bosom, and his heart was rapidly becoming immersed in an infatuating sea of voluptuousness. Megalina, to his heated, enthusiastic fancy, appeared an angel at once beneficent and beautiful. Jealous of every idea that was not directed to herself, she sedulously endeavored to banish from his mind all painful recurrence to the past. To this end, she thought it expedient to seek for him amusement and recreation, but of a nature that should not involve publicity, for in his determination of concealment, Leonardo continued firm and tremblingly alive to the remotest idea of discovery. Accordingly, at her own house, Megalina assembled most of her female friends, and such of her male acquaintance who, while from vacancy they affected to admire her, professed not to be lovers. To all these she presented her cherished lover as a young Florentine and distant relation of her own, for even Megalina, bold and unprincipled as she was, did not desire to have known the real circumstances of her acquaintance with Leonardo. Among the visitors that frequented this abode of levity and ignoble pleasure, it was not probable that any should be found who had formerly visited at the Marches Loredani's. Yet, had such an accident occurred, nearly three years of absence from Venice, joined to the life which he had led amid the mountains of Tuscany, had so far changed his originally delicate appearance that it would have been almost impossible for any but a near relative to recognize the pampered boy Leonardo, and the hardy and robust-looking Florentine, increased to the most elegant stature of the full-grown man. But yet, although unknown and undiscovered, Megalina vainly flattered herself in believing that the tale of his relationship to herself was credited. Enamored as she appeared of the imminent beauty of his person, and evidently incapable of remaining at ease if for a moment he quitted her presence, it required no singular degree of penetration to discern that ties more tender and more animated than those resulting from consanguinity attracted her towards him. It so happened that among the females to which the vanity of the Florentine incited her to introduce her lover was one by name Teresa. This girl was of exquisite beauty, but deeply immersed in a stream of vice and dissipation. To the further disgrace of Megalina, it must he acknowledged that she was in a high degree accessory to her fall from virtue. The unfortunate girl, though she appeared to court her society and to entertain towards her friendship and affection, was in her heart deeply sensible of this, and when reflection transiently pervaded her wretched mind, and the bitterness of an abhorrent, half-repentant spirit, she silently cursed the enemy that had betrayed her. 
soon her penetrating and observant eye remarked the fond expression of regard with which megalina strozzi so frequently regarded her lover the concealed exultation with which she viewed him was discovered by the watchful teresa she felt convinced in her mind that he bore no relationship to her excepting that of love if love it might be termed and rejoiced at a prospect of obtaining revenge for the misery that an envying and fallen female had induced her to partake of inspired too by something of passion for the attractive leonardo she resolved if possible to detach him wholly from her hated associate by courting him to herself eager in the prosecution of this plan she left untried no artifices that could facilitate it she invited megalina frequently to her house and spite of her watchfulness and care contrived to have her attention engaged that she might steal leonardo from her side and hold private conferences with him she appealed as the florentine had done to his imagination and his senses and by younger therefore more blooming charms sought to reduce his heart from its alliance to her but while teresa angled as she thought thus securely and unsuspected the demon of jealousy had taken possession of the florentine soul enraged to madness at what she saw yet wily and apparently cool with vengeance burning in her breast she resolved still to appear unconscious and to see how far the daring treachery of teresa would carry her to this end she forbore to circumvent her various plans to inveigle her lover and while teresa believed herself wholly unobserved she only fell the readier into the snare which was laid for her at length her incessant and evident assiduities began to attract and return the attentions of leonardo now no longer diffident no longer retiring he sought not to repress the sensations she excited sensations not so ardent indeed because no longer new as though he had experienced for megalina but yet gradually acquiring strength and from the novelty of the object at least increasing in allurement his eyes and his language began to assure teresa that she had in some measure achieved her anxiously desired object desirous if possible to rivet him at once her own she with eager and ill-concealed delight appointed an evening when by a plan of her own suggestion he might unsuspected steal to her house the sentiments of leonardo though high and tremblingly alive to whatever regarded his pride or dignity of birth were not yet so punctilious as may shrink from the idea of infringing on the fidelity of love unused even from childhood to curb the slightest of his wishes and his self-love flattered by the early acquired regard of so young and lovely a female he hesitated not in accepting her invitation though his native delicacy taught him to consider it as somewhat premature but what then megalina herself had first inspired him with a taste for ignoble pleasures and it could scarcely be dishonourable to pursue with another the path her fascinations had pointed out the evening then was mutually agreed on and even the very hour fixed to this length did the secure and artful strozzi permit everything to advance leonardo was suffered to make his escape to enter the house and even the apartment where his impatient fair one awaited to receive him but then so well so accurately had the florentine arranged her plan she burst upon them like a thunder-cloud for a few moments she even surveyed them but with that kind of horrible tranquillity that betokens an approaching storm teresa had greeted leonardo with a fervent embrace and such was still their attitude 
with a look wherein was depicted the blackest rage the deepest vengeance and the bitterest scorn without advancing a step she continued to contemplate them then firmly and deliberately approaching leonardo she seized him by the arm so unimpaired was her power over his soul such was the awe almost the terror which he involuntarily felt while sinking abashed beneath the powerful glance of her eye that he had no power to resist the decisiveness of her action there was a something at this juncture in their relative situations that made her even in his own eyes appear the injured person and himself the worthless aggressor without a single rebellious struggle therefore on his side the florentine retained his arm which he grasped with the violence of smothered rage then casting on the trembling and foiled teresa a look which spoke volumes to her trembling soul she led with step haughty and indignant her recovered captive from the room returning homewards megalina preserved a gloomy silence leonardo essayed twice or thrice to speak but his tongue refused its office and accents half formed quivered on his lips shocked and repentant his mind suggested nothing that could allay the resentment he knew was boiling in the breast of his mistress at length they reached home and entered an apartment the florentine still preserving in uninterrupted silence threw herself upon a sofa and covering her face with her hands remained apparently absorbed in thought leonardo could bear no longer this terrible demeanour he became agonized the remembrance of the happiness he had till now enjoyed with his still adored megalina rushed impetuously over his ardent soul of teresa he knew little or nothing he felt an emotion bordering on rage and disgust rising in his bosom against her for having even momentarily alienated his thoughts from her to whom he fondly conceived that he owed so much no longer master of himself he rushed towards her he threw himself with violence at her feet kissed them and bedewed them with his tears this was only what the artful florentine had expected knowing well the haughtiness of his nature yet knowing likewise well the susceptibility of his feelings she had forborne to irritate by reproach him who was to be conquered by an appeal to the heart oh lovely oh adored megalina cried the repentant lover forgive forgive me i feel yes i feel that tis you alone i love pardon then in this conviction your unhappy guilty slave the florentine answered not what not a word not a word o megalina resumed he almost distracted and snatching his stiletto forth i have lived too long then and thus let in forth existence from my worthless though agonized heart as he spoke he tore open his vest and frantically made an attempt to plunge it in his bosom megalina starting up wrenched it from his furious grasp and threw it far still the devoted youth remained at her feet she cast her eyes downward upon his graceful form and tenfold love assailed her softened soul she stretched forth her hand and bade him rise her voice reanimated him and springing up he folded her with ardour to his breast the artful strozzi returned his embrace but suddenly pushing him from her she exclaimed go bring me that stiletto he felt surprised but obeyed her imperious command she took it hastily from his hand then said in a solemn serious voice leonardo do you love me love you he eagerly repeated then mark me she resumed by this stiletto and by your hand, Teresa dies. 
the youth shuddered and recoiled a few steps for human nature shrinks instinctively at murder ah false wretch do you hesitate fiercely exclaimed the florentine go then go to your teresa and quit my sight for ever and will nothing less than appease the omega lina faltered out the enslaved leonardo tis plain he loves her gloomily muttered the vindictive strazzi oh no by heaven i do not eagerly replied leonardo prove it then by plunging the stiletto in her heart not else can or shall convince me that you do not o oh, megalina my first my only mistress you will not you cannot surely require proof so dreadful and imploringly he looked in her countenance that fierce countenance still retained its unchanging expression in it he read consent or leave me this dreadful fiat made her appear from the apprehension and excited of losing her more beautiful than ever in his eyes her symmetrical form shone forth with redoubled loveliness to his heated fancy and while he gazed his struggles died away or were displaced by sensations which overpowered them he stretched forth his burning hand it trembled with the consciousness of intended murder and in faint faltering voice he said give me the dagger you consent then said the seductress megalina to let it shed the blood of the insolent venetian i do i do and to bring it me again stained and dripping with her gore oh all you require groaned the miserable leonardo i love you cruel megalina oh how much when to prove it i would murder the florentine cast the stiletto with violence away and opened her fair arms wide the bewildered leonardo rushed into their embrace and sunk overpowered on her bosom i forgive thee she cried i now forgive thee leonardo i wanted after thy cruel dereliction from me some proof that i was still loved that proof i have obtained and thou art mine again oh i was thine ever replied the infatuated youth tears gushing from his eyes i now believe that thou wert answered the florentine gazing exultingly upon her victim and then gently seating him beside her with a smile such was the fatal empire that a worthless wanton had acquired over young and susceptible heart left to its wild energies ere reason could preponderate and thus darkly colored became the future character of one yielding progressively to the most horrible crimes which if differently directed in early youth might have become an honor and an ornament to human nature End of chapter fourteen recording by elsie selwyn